0: Romans chapter number five, we're in verse, well, before we get into it, there's a couple things we want to look at. There's there's the words, it's what we were when we're looking in Romans chapter five. Look at verse number six as a way of reminder. Uh, it says, when we were yet without strength, that's what we were, without strength. Look at verse number eight, while we were yet sinners, that's what we were. Uh, Look at verse number 10, for if when we were enemies, that's what we were when Christ died for us. And we've got to get that because it's not like we had any type of value, any type of worth, any type of strength, any type of friendliness. That's what we were before God. And in that state, he died for us. And that's that's a great reminder to get started. Uh, The second thought I'd like to have us uh, wrap our minds around tonight is this, or this morning, is this, our eternal security. And I know a lot of people get confused with that nowadays because you look at modern day carnival Christianity and you say to yourself, how in the world can people live like this and go to heaven? (laughs) Now, isn't that frustrating? It it frustrates me when someone says that they're a Christian and you're talking like that, you're acting like that, you're dressing like that. It frustrates me when I do stupid things, when I say stupid things, when I get into a situation or. Doesn't that frustrate you about you? But the keeping of our salvation isn't dependent upon us keeping it. I'm not, I don't want to give anybody a license to sin. If anything, you know that we're trying to take the bar and we're trying to raise it a few notches higher. We don't want, we don't want anybody to sin. But if God is strong enough and powerful enough to save you, Much more, and we're going to look at that now, the much mores in verse number nine. Watch what it says. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. It's not through our works. That really should be all the security you need. It's through him. God has done the difficult part. He saved us. Remember those words we went through? We were without strength in God. Now, that was the difficult part. Much more, he can do what can simply be understood as the easier part. He can do the difficult. He can do the easier. Go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 1. Bible says in verse number nine, first Thessalonians chapter one, verse number nine. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. You know now you know what that is? That's repentance. You're turning from something and you're turning to something. And then verse number 10 says, and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Romans chapter 5, verse number 9, we shall be saved from wrath through him. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse number 10, which delivered us from the wrath to come. Are you saved this morning? Have you trusted in what Christ did for you on the cross? You have no wrath coming to you. There's no wrath. Well, I've messed up. Join the club. Join the mess up club. God who saved you, he will Do the keeping. Are you saying I can just go out and sin? I never said that. Are you saying God told you uh, is telling us that we can go out and sit? No, God never said that. You're saved unto good works. Are you saved this morning? Go out and do some good. But don't act like if you mess up, you need to run them to the altar in tears and get saved again. You can only get saved once. There's a new birth. It happens one time. Has it hasn't happened in your life this morning? May, may this morning be that day that you trust Christ. Bible says in John 5, Verily, verily, I send to you, he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me, hath everlasting life. Now, this will be real deep theological truth. Everlasting life. You know what that means? Life that lasts forever. <laughs> Whoa, man, that's five years of Bible school right there. I'm telling you, the Bible's easy to understand. You are eternally secure, you have life, everlasting life, and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. We're dead in trespasses and sins, we trust Christ. And now we enter into life. You witness to folks out in the street. You talk to people. You meet people. You say to them something like this. Can I, can I get a minute? Can I get two minutes to show you how you can pass from death into life? What's all that about? And then you tell them about Jesus. And that's, all, that's really what we do when we try to evangelize. We want people to pass from death unto life. Oh, Sorry, I got a church. I'm not trying to get you to come to, come to our church. I'm trying to get you to pass from death into life. We don't have enough seats to minister to everybody in Cookville, Tennessee. We're not trying to minister to everybody in Cookville, Tennessee. We want to minister to the folks that the Lord sends to us. And we'll be happy with the increase that he provides. But we want everybody, everybody in our town. In the three counties that we primarily Look at as our Jerusalem. We want everybody in those three counties to know how, for sure, they can pass from death to life. Jesus saves. It's not about a church. Jesus saves. So point, that's point number one on your eternal security. Go back to Romans 5. Look at verse 10. We have the second much more in, in, in verse 10. Romans five ten. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Much more than, in other words, he will keep us. Look at Colossians chapter 1 on that one as our cross-reference. Colossians chapter 1, look at verse number 22, uh, 21 rather. Colossians 1 verse 21. And you, that would be, as they say down south, all of us <laughs> And you, that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. That's us. We're vile sinners. Alienated from God. And that's what he did for us. Much more. You think he can't continue to reconcile us. you, you, you You don't think he can keep us. I don't think the Bible teaches that. I think the Bible teaches for sure that if God can save you in your sinful condition, much more he can keep you. You being a vile, wicked sinner with wicked works, alienated in enemies, none of that was a barrier of God's love toward you. It was not a barrier. Much more, he's going to love those whom he has justified, whom he has reconciled to himself. He's not going to let you go. You can know for sure. That you are eternally secure and safe in Jesus Christ. And then number three, concerning eternal security, let's look at Romans 5, verse number 10 again. At the end of the verse, it says, we shall be saved by his life. Jesus Christ died to save us. Jesus Christ lives to keep us. Now, I a funny thing because we aren't saved by the life of Christ. People say, well, we should just kind of try to live like Jesus lived, as if anybody saying that can actually do that. Jesus, his humanity, his 33 and a half years that he walked this earth, that did nothing to save us. His life living in a body of flesh here on earth did not save us. What did? His death on the cross. Now flip that around. Now he lives a living savior, right? He's not dead like all the other little G gods. He's alive forevermore. He lives to what? Save us? No, he died to save us. He lives to keep us. Through his life, we can know for sure we are eternally secure in our salvation. Wherefore, he's able also to save them to other most to come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Let's go to first Peter chapter one, please. Because he lives, we shall live. First Peter chapter one. Well, I just think you got to keep it. Okay. First Peter chapter number one. Watch what it says in verse number four. Verse number three, blessed be God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and that fadeth not away Reserved in heaven for you. God said it's not going to fade away. God says there's a reservation for you. And when you show up, it's yours. And not only that, verse number five, I just think I need to keep it. No, you, no, you can't keep it. Verse five, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. If it was up to you to keep it, you'd fail. If it was up to me to keep it, I would fail. There's a reservation made by God for his saints. It's not going to fade away. And you are kept by the power of It's a complete misunderstanding of your standing and your state before God. And when people understand that, they'll start to understand this eternal security doctrine. My standing before God doesn't change. Now, I might have a problem with the state of my fellowship with if I'm sinning and messing up and You got something that's kept by the power of God. You don't have to worry about it. Go back to Romans 5. We'll wrap up the eternal security thought by saying this. Remember in verse number one, we have peace with God, verse number three, he's with us through tribulations. Verse number five, see what it says, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts. And now, I mean, you really think God's going to leave you now? <laughs> I mean, it doesn't even fit the flow of the context. You're safe with Christ. Christ is not dead. He is alive. You are not dead. You are alive. Anytime you and I try to add worth or add merit to us keeping our salvation, every time we try to do that, it's a complete insult to grace. It is. That doesn't mean we can live how we want to live. It means that when we get up on our little pedestal and say, well, I think I... Nobody says that nobody that says, that, they, nobody that, says that, that, that you can lose your salvation thinks they can lose their salvation. They've got themselves on a pedestal up here and they've got you down here and they want you to come up to all of that is man just trying to level itself up. And that's that's an insult to God's grace. We're saved by grace, we're kept by grace, we're going to be glorified by grace. Our glorified body by grace. Look at Romans 5, verse 10. It says, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Um, We have to be careful trying to be reconciled, trying to reconcile God to us, our standard. He's the one that did the reconciling. Yeah, Derek uh, he's not here this morning but he's a school teacher and so uh, I was thinking of him as going through this sermon prep and imagine Derek's a school teacher but now it's back in the old days when it was the one-room schoolhouse he had all the all the students in that one-room schoolhouse and Uh, There was some use of uh, profanity going on during recess, so he put a, on the blackboard, I don't know if they still use them or not, but he took his chalk, and on the blackboard, on the chalkboard, he, he writes what the rule is. There shall be no use of profanity. Anyone caught using profanity, there will be a spanking. Well, all the all the little scholars are sitting up like, oh boy, he's pretty serious. So at recess time, all the all the youngins are outside playing and little Billy uses profanity. And all the kids hear little Billy use profanity. Teacher Derek hears the little kid Billy use profanity. And all the little kids know that Teacher Derek Heard little Billy use profanity. So when the bell for recess rings, all the little scholars run back in and sit up in their seats. And they're wondering what the teacher's going to do. So the teacher says, teacher Derek says, "Um, Billy, you were caught using profanity. Well, you don't like me, teacher Derek. I know you just don't like me. None of the kids like me. Derek's son, Josiah, happens to be in that classroom as well. So Derek says to his son, Josiah, come on outside with me. He goes out to the front of the school, uh, one room schoolhouse, and he talks with him. He says, "Uh, Josiah, Billy doesn't think that I love him. But I do love him. And Josiah Josiah says, Dad, I I know you love him. He said, I love Billy, too. We all love Billy. Derek says to his son, Josiah, you're you're right, son. I do love him. But also, we have a rule. And everyone knows that he broke the rule. And a spanking has to take place. So he says, son, will you take... The spanking for Billy. And Josiah looks at his dad and he says, sure, dad, if that's what you want. If that's what you think is best, dad, I'll be glad to do that. I love Billy and I want him to know. That we love him. And if you want me to take the spanking, I'll be glad to do it. So Derek says to his son, "Okay, son. I'm going to give you the spanking that is owed to Billy. They walk back in the classroom. And teacher Derek, all the little scholars are sitting there waiting to see what's going to happen. And teacher Derek says, my son, Josiah, has agreed to take the spanking that is owed to little Billy. And Derek doesn't spare the rod. He takes the rod and he gives his son, Josiah, 10 licks with that rod. And his son gladly took it. And he goes and he takes a seat and the whole classroom's in shock. Little Billy's in tears. And he comes up to teachers. Derek's desk. And he says. In tears. Thank you. I didn't think that you loved me. And I am telling you. That. Is the reconciliation. That occurs. When Jesus Christ. Takes from God. The father. What is owed you and I? That's why verse 8 says, For God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus Christ is the one who took the punishment owed us. It's not God who is angry and just looking to spitefully pour out wrath on us. No! It must occur. Justice has to be served. But it's the love of God that we miss. It's not an angry God just spitefully looking to throw lightning bolts down on us. It's a loving God and justice must be served. Sin must be paid for. And in comes Jesus Christ. And he takes the spank and hold us. Praise his holy name. We're saved by his life. Go to first John. It's by his life. First John chapter two. Watch what the Bible says. My little children, these things, write I unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. We're saved by his life. He is our advocate. And verse two, he's not only our advocate, he is the propitiation. That's the sacrifice of Jesus Christ That appeased the wrath of God, thereby rendering God ready to forgive you and I of our sin. He is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Look at verse four, chapter four of first John. You talk about love. Uh, verse, verse 10, here in his love, 1 John chapter 4, verse 10, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. That story, little Billy, he, he don't think the teacher loves him. And he's not about to love the teacher. Everybody's against me. I'm going to get my spanking. Everybody's against me. No. The love is is that God loved us first. That's love. And it's not God the Father twisting God the Son's arm and forcefully demanding him, you go down there and pay for their sins. You're in his love. It's the love of God. Now, we could just park on that for a minute and think on that and not exhaust that thought. Because it's really, really hard to comprehend. Because our love as parents is based on whichever kid is better that day, we love more. (laughs) The days of our week are based upon how well our spouse Treated us and that, okay, well, I'll love him on Tuesday. And it's the complete opposite with God. We do nothing for him and he loves us. It's just an amazing thing to me. And you try to talk people nowadays out of getting married. Because everybody puts their best foot forward six months before they say, I do. And the person's loving the other person because all the stuff they're doing for him. And you got to try to let them know, look, once you get married, he's not going to be that nice. <laughs> once you get married, she's not going to be. Now, you should. We should. We should get back to that place. But the reality of it is. You're not married for six months before you find out, well, wait a minute. This isn't going the way I thought it was going to go. Now it should. And, and, and not, that's not a reason, I'm not saying that to be mean or negative. I'm saying that that's the reality of earthly human love. And that's why when two people get married, if they're not both looking up to God and Christ isn't the center of that thing, it ain't going to work. Because you know what it makes, you know what it comes down to? Marriage, it comes down to the husband loving like Christ loves. And the wife loving like Christ would love. And the husband thinking of the wife's needs. And the wife thinking of the husband's needs. Just like Christ loved us and thought of our need. Now isn't that easy to preach and easy to understand and hard to live? It is. It is. I'm telling you, we can't do this thing without God. We're not going to keep our salvation without God. You think your eternal security is kept by the power of God? Your marriage is going to be kept by the power of God. Your relationships, your Christian friendships are going to be kept by the power of God. All this comes back to Christ. All comes back to Christ. He's not appointed us to wrath. We talked about that. Go back to um we got Harry. Go back to Romans. We'll get chapter eight. We're saved by his life. We talked about he stands our advocate. He's our propitiation. Romans eight thirty-four. It says, Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. He's our advocate. He's our propitiation. He's also our intercessor. Go to Colossians 3. Colossians 3. Colossians chapter 3, verse number 3. You're dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Verse 4 of Colossians 3. When Christ, who is our life, he's our advocate, he's our propitiation, he's our intercessor, he's also our life. Then ye shall also appear with him in glory. He is our life. Go to Hebrews 9. Flip forward to Hebrews chapter number nine. We're saved by his life. Hebrews chapter nine, verse 24. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figure of the true, but into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God Why? For us. Nor yet that he should offer himself often. We don't have a continually sacrificial mass every Sunday. He should, nor yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest entereth in the holy place every year with blood of others. This isn't a yearly thing. Is a one-time thing. And it's Christ in heaven, in the presence of God, offering blood on our behalf. Verse 26, For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world, but now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Okay, you know what that is? That is the once dying Christ. Once. Verse 27. And that is appointed unto men once to die after this, the judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many and unto them. Look for him. Shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation? Once dying Christ, what do we have? Wants to die. One time die. One time judgment. One time dying Christ. What are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with that? Because you're only going to die once physically. And you're going to be judged. You haven't put your faith and trust. In the one time death of Christ. On the cross. the remission of your sin. And if you don't want to be saved by his life. And through his blood. And by faith in him and him alone, it's going to be an awful, awful eternity for you. God doesn't want that for you. I don't want that for you. We don't want that for you. If you're here this morning, you haven't had the blood of the lamb applied to your account. May today be the day. Look at verse 22, Romans 9. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood and without the shedding of blood. There is no remission. This is why Romans 5 verse 9. This is why it says much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. His blood is the means of justification. My faith doesn't appeal to God, but Christ's blood, it does appeal to God. His blood is the token that he surrendered his life on our behalf. And it's the only way that we can be cleared from the guilt of our sin. And it's the only way the judgment of God will not fall upon you. Is through the blood of Jesus Christ. Stay with me, please. I have a few more thoughts I'd like to share with you. Get Galatians six, so we have our place there. Galatians chapter six. Talked about being saved from wrath. Colossians 3, 4, we talked about appearing with him in glory. But wrath and glory, they don't only have to deal with eternity. If you're under God's wrath, yes, eternally you're destroyed. If, if you are going to appear with him in glory, like Colossians 3 says, yes, you'll be eternally saved forever. That's talking about eternity. But it also refers to everyday life. When we look at glory, John 15, 8 says, Herein is my Father glorified that ye bear much fruit. So shall ye be my disciples. The glory of the apple tree is when you have 15 bushels of apples after you pick them. The glory of the orange tree is when you pick out those oranges and you got yourself a bunch of bushels of oranges. That's the glory of that, that fruit appear. That's something down here. There's a connection between fruit being produced, and glory. And the fruit is what we call the blessing from God. When we sit down and have a meal, we say, that's a, that's a, who wants to say the blessing, right? But also occurs with, with curses. There's not only blessings, there's curses. You plant some green beans in your garden, and you get one weed pops up, and you don't attend to that weed, to pop up. Then four, then eight, then the next thing you know, you, you, you don't have a blessing. You have a cursing of weeds. You're not going to get bushels of green beans because the weeds are going to choke all that out, and you're going to say, that's not a blessing. That's a curse. <laughs> that was not good the blessing is the glory the cursing is the wrath i want to go back to the thought and say that look god's wrath it's not a spiteful god that's just angry and looking to throw wrath at people the cursing or the wrath of god it comes as a consequence Of our sin. If you don't pull the weed out, the consequence is you get two weeds. If you don't continue to weed your garden, you reap the consequence of that. That's why it's a cursing. Galatians, God's wrath just comes as a consequence of doing wrong. That's where sin comes in. All right, let's go. Let's do our Galatians 6. Galatians 6, look at verse number Seven, you all know this verse. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. That's, that's the cursing. But he that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. That's the blessing. The vile affections, remember we talked about in Romans 1, it was a consequence of what? Turning the truth of God into a lie. That was the consequence. God's not spiteful. His wrath is not spiteful. It's a consequence of wrongdoing and of sin. But don't you have the weeds of sin come up in your life, even as a saved person? Don't I have the consequences of sin come up in my life? Don't I have one weed? And don't you have one weed come up that's sin and you don't pluck it and you allow it to turn to two and then four. And at the end of the week, the whole thing's a mess. What's the consequence of that? We are saved by his life him living him living the sin that i do as a christian all it does is break fellowship me with god it severs that relationship that's why i said well, you better get you better get that thing right with god sister you better get that thing right with that other sister brother you better get that thing right with that other brother you don't lose your salvation why Because you're saved by his life. He is living, ever interceding for us. And our standing before God won't change, even though down here we are going to mess things up. And you know where the consequence is going to come from? We are going to have consequences down here on earth because of the weeds that we fail to pull out. This idea that you're going to get saved and you're going to go sin, there's not going to be any circumstances, uh, consequences because you're a saved man or a saved woman is fooey You do wrong, there's going to be consequences. We are you going to tell the judge you're saved? No. no, you robbed the bank. You're going to jail. I'm a Christian. Well, even worse for you, buddy. Try to tell that to the other inmates. You're going to have consequences if you do wrong down here. When you get judged by God, only what is done for Christ will last. So if you want a reward, get your eyes on doing things for Christ. And you'll have a consequence of a reward. You won't have loss of salvation. You will have loss of reward. Alright, so that's how all that works. We'll do one more verse and then we'll close out. Look at verse number 11 and I breath, uh, let me get to Romans. Finish out one last verse and be done. Thank you for being so attentive. Verse number 11 in Romans 5 and not only so but we also joy in God. I mean back in Romans 3 our mouths are stopped. We're completely rejected by God. We're all sinners. We're all But now in Romans 5, we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what grace does. We get the joy in God. By whom we have now received the atonement. God's not our judge anymore. We no longer have to stand trembling before God. We no longer have to stand condemned. We now have joy in God, and we get to spend, this is the best part of it, our whole life boasting about how good God is. Now, praise his holy name for that. That's a great verse to end on. We're no longer part of his judgment and condemnation. We get to spend our life boasting about how good.